0: Mother knows best, one way or another, something will go wrong, I swear! Ruffians, thugs, poison ivy, quicksand, cannibals and snakes, the plague! Yes, also large bugs, men with pointy teeth, and stop no more, you'll just upset me, Mother's right here!
1: Swingers oh, the jungle
2: the top and had to stop, and that's what's me. I wanna be a man. Hey Nani Nani. Hello and welcome. To You're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox.
1: And I'm Kyle Skinner.
2: And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode will focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best follow us and play along on twitter at mouse madness pod or send us an email at mouse madness podcast at gmail.com all right so uh jerry's gang uh do it crushing it already If you all didn't catch the last episode, we are on Patreon now. Um, Check it out, linked into the show notes here. Jerry's Gang is our official Patreon community. Um, And we've got a couple episodes in. We've got a mini episode. We've got a photo dump. We've got uh, some video episodes in there. It's been super fun. It's been good. And we have
1: a lot more planned. By the time that you listen to this, we will have... I think we will have posted or about to have posted... Nope. By the time you listen to this, we will have posted our very first bracket jerry gang chosen bracket poll uh for the jerry's gang to choose what one of our upcoming bracket ideas is going to be and we're going to have to do it we're going to have to send the interns to to survey whatever jerry's gang wants us to talk about so if you haven't joined jerry's gang you're missing out come join us patreon.com slash mouse madness that's where the party is at but chris we're in the the dead center of spooky season and We are about to dive into what Disney does best when it comes to spooky season. We're gonna talk about villains, but not just talking the baddies, we're talking their anthems. This bracket is the best Disney villain song bracket. We're back into the music space. Cannot wait. And to help us choose the most hellish of tunes is returning guest host, Mandy. Welcome back, Mandy.
0: Thank you so much. I am so excited to be back on the pod.
1: Have you been able to go to Oogie Boogie's Bash in Disneyland yet?
0: Never, but Tess has organized virtual Oogie Boogie Bash trips for me, so I almost feel like it's the same experience in person.
1: Uh. (laughs) i need to hear more about this virtual is she going in and she's facetiming you into the experience or what
0: so tess and i um will facetime each other and then tess will send me a link to a curated youtube playlist she has put together full of different influencers doing their things in the park so we've done it for boogie bash where it'll be like all of the food from eat sea magic and then like five fires walking around the park and all these other disney influencers we know and love and them them having the time of their lives while we just enjoy and sit back from our couches <laughs> with alcohol. So yeah.
1: Chris, this is why we call her the powerhouse. This is powerhouse this is, test. Just it's incredible.
2: It's <laughs> God. Oh well, hey, y'all, before we talk some baddies, we gotta talk some bad beverages. We got spoonfuls of sugar on deck. Kyle, what do you got today?
1: So I have a drink that was actually made for the show. Uh peek around the curtain a little bit. Mandy was tagged in very last minute to join us as a co-host. I'm about to put uh, my fiance on blast because she was supposed to be co-hosting, but then ditched out on us last minute. But she had prepared a drink that I am now stealing from (laughs) from her shine for her uh, ditching out on us. So this is called the Grave Digger, and it is a tequila based drink. So Chris, this might be right up your alley. Uh, into it already? It is yep. two ounces of mezcal or tequila. So pick <laughs> your dealer's Ooh. choice over there. <laughs> uh, two ounces of spiced apple cider, half an ounce of lemon juice, half an ounce of control, two dashes of rosemary or orange bitters. Uh, and you put all of that into a shaker. You shake it up for a good while, pour it into a glass, and then you top it with some ginger beer. And if you want to get fancy, you could put a little bit more rosemary on top of it. Um, and it turns into this like very like cinnamony uh, obviously like the rosemary plays a big part into it. Um drink and it's absolutely delicious. If you like ginger, that's the biggest thing because that's the the most uh, obvious taste in it. But I put it into my hatbox ghost uh, tiki mug, Ooh. of course, because it is spooky season. We're leading up to Halloween. So the Gravedigger fits because one of our songs is from our friend on the other side and he uh, gets eaten up by a cemetery, so this fits.
2: We're probably never going to get a chance to talk about the Muppets Haunted Mansion special, like yeah. in its entirety. But you bringing out the Hatbox Ghost mug reminds me of Fozzie Bear as the Hatbox, <laughs> and how Hatbox Fozzie Bear is superior to normal Hatbox Ghost in Absolutely. my opinion. And I cannot, I cannot wait for a Muppets overlay. Uh, on the Haunted Mansion (laughs) at some point in time.
1: That's the new Haunted Mansion holiday is just Muppets. Goodbye, Jack. We're going Muppets now.
2: I'm into it. Mandy, did you get a chance to see that yet?
0: I did. um, Yeah, I watched it and uh, you know, I'm not a huge Muppets fan, um, but I thought this was a great little short. Um, It was so fun and I don't see Pepe very often, so seeing him shine in this piece of work was incredible.
2: He was, he was pretty funny. <laughs> he was pretty funny. I, 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 I laughed out loud at the uh, Beaker and
0: his Bunsen, buddy, whatever. Dr. Ne- or whatever. Yeah.
2: As the busts in the hallway. The being yeah. like, I thought our cameo would be bigger than this. <laughs> 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 yeah. That was good. Um, Beaker's my favorite Muppet, for sure. I mean, yeah. Um, you can't go wrong with Beaker. What are you drinking? Okay. Sorry. Today is my day off. It is the eve of Game Five of the National League Division Series. I uh, got home late last night around 3 a.m. was in LA for Game Three and Game Four, so spent most of the day sleeping and just generally laying in the fetal position in my apartment, trying <laughs> to mentally prepare myself for what lies ahead. So I didn't have a whole lot of time to get my spoonfuls of sugar together. So I just went with uh, one of my wild barrel vice mango lychee sour beers that i was drinking the other week Mm -hmm. Uh, again not my all-time favorite sour beer but very very drinkable for sure okay uh mandy how about you
0: yeah so i also went with the fall spiced cider theme and what i have is um you start with some like honey and sugar around the rim um you put in some rum amaretto spiced cider top it off with some cinnamon um and because it has a little tiki theme going and i put a shiny little mickey on my straw i went for a punny name and i'm gonna call it the tomato apple
2: Uh.
0: it's a stretch but i really tried so
1: (laughs) that is fine that is perfect you always come with the very festive drinks and i appreciate that about you it's always something different is this a recipe that you made up on the fly or did you take it from somewhere?
0: It's something that I was like, well, I have these ingredients in my kitchen. What can I do with these? And the internet told me I can put them together in a cup. So.
1: <laughs> That's the best way to make these cocktails. I'll tell you that much. All right. Buckle up, everybody, because it is your favorite segment of the show. It is time to go into the pool of the pod. If you've just joining us... You've missed a lot. Uh, we are going through upper deck 50th anniversary Disneyland cards in the search for one specific trading card, uh, and that is of Tom Morrow, a famous animatronic from Inventions and Rocket to the Moon. We've gotten close. We've gotten a Blinken, who is another human animatronic. We've gotten Rocket to the Moon, which is the attraction in which Tom Morrow is featured. We have yet to find Tom Morrow. And we only have about eight or so packs left. So uh, we're down to the wire here. We are definitely in game five mode here at the Mouse Madness Podcast. So let's go ahead and see what we have this time this around. This is it. This is it. You're filling this pack? Okay.
2: I'm calling the shot right now. Okay. I'm going to finish my beer. It's
1: <laughs> in here. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to all take a moment to chug if Tom Mario's in here. All right. The first card. And also, I'd like to point out that last week, we realize that we're starting to find some duplicates, which is not great for our search for Tom Morrow. So let's see what we've got. The first one is Castle Fireworks. Ooh. Almost positive we've gotten this before, so it's not starting out good. Uh, photo of the fireworks over the castle. Uh, and it's a great moments card. Next one, 1966 is It's a Small World so this this card i'm not sure if we've gotten before but it's it has a boat actually we have because i pointed out that the photo in it is from the it's a small world like holiday because there's a person in the boat with a santa claus hat (laughs) on it Hmm. so they couldn't really find any other photo i guess next one up is 1955's stagecoach which we have definitely gotten before at least once at least once and of course we've gotten this one, and that means that Tom Morrow is not in this pack 1967's rocket jets
2: come on Wow man. We're,
1: we're striking now and then our attraction poster of the pack is one that we have not gotten yet okay. it is Alice in Wonderland Ooh. oh all right yeah yeah pretty nice art it's uh Alice being overwhelmed by the mad Tea Party uh, and it's like the the There's a bunch of elements of the ride and of the movie in this kind of like whirlwind around her. So you have the rabbit hole up at the top corner and the rabbit's looking down. And then as this kind of whirlwind happens, it says, visit the wonderful world of Alice in Wonderland. And then you have the caterpillar in his like ride vehicle form on it, Cheshire Cat you have the rabbit again, but as the like um, court jester, the, the trumpet dude, trumpet bear and the for the Queen of Hearts. And then you have a bunch of teacups. Uh, I don't think I see the Dormouse in here. And that's the turn. Oh, Dormouse is there. Of course, he is. turnboy has got to be in there. Of course. Of um, course. So that's this episode's pull of the pod. We did not find Mr. Tom Morrow. It's a disappointment because we only have so many to go. Uh, we'll be back for part two to see if we can find this elusive, elusive man. Chris, we're talking best Disney villain songs, and it's time to announce the demographic. This week, we allowed the interns to stay home. They got to park it on their couch because there was a big release, as Chris had just brought up, in the Muppets Haunted Mansion special on Disney+. Plus. And in order to find the best villain song, while there wasn't necessarily, I mean, there were villains and there were villain songs in this Muppets movie. None of those made this bracket, but we had folks, had our interns scour the internet to get people who are reacting to the special in real time. You could be like Chris, who is somebody who was like, nah, it was, it was fine. Uh, I, uh, it's not, maybe not in my rotation, but uh, I loved Bunsen and Beaker. You could be like Mandy, who's like, not nah, a huge Muppets person. Uh, but it it was nice. It was a, a nice little short. Or you could be like me, who was like, I needed this in my life from day one. I don't know where this was, and it had to have happened. And I'm so glad I got to see it before I died because this is now in my Halloween rotation. Um, so of of all three of us would have fit into this demographic, and because it was so easy to find, we were able to get answers that didn't quite make the dance, because there were just too many sixteen too good ones. So my first few that missed the dance. Number one, no one thought about it. Agatha All Along from WandaVision. That is, you know, Marvel, which is under the Disney umbrella. So I get that when you think about Disney villains, Agatha doesn't come to mind quite yet. But Agatha All Along is such a great song. Uh, And and there's a like a DJ or like a producer that turned it into a a trap song. Love it. Going to play it for the rest of this month. Um, And number two is the mob song from Beauty and the Beast, because that is just like the culmination of Gaston's evilness into one moment in which he's like riling up all of those who have been influenced by him the entire movie, his entire life, right? Like Gaston, the song is all these folks telling Gaston how great he is and how much they love him. And now he's able to take that love and incite a riot against the beast. Like that is such a great villain song. I get why there's so many great songs in Media and the Beast, so this one didn't quite make it. Chris, where are a few for you?
2: Oh, so first of all, both of the Pete's Dragons villain songs, I think. (laughs) um,
0: Yes, Pete's Dragon (laughs) represents! Oh, oh, oh,
1: man.
2: Uh, (laughs) I think Chelsea kind of shouted out that there was like a lot of villains going on in that movie. Like you've got the, the gang whatever their the hillbilly gang, whatever mm-hmm. they're called. Um, they're trying to like get Pete back because he's like their little captive boy. <laughs> you've got the like charlatan swindler scam con artist guy in town. Um, and then you've also got like the town in general, like rejecting the idea of Pete and Elliot. Right. So there's like, a, there's like a lot of hostility going on in Pete's dragon. Um, but there are some good songs that go along with it. Uh, happiest home in these Hills is the first song in the movie sung by that gang. And it gets pretty dark. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, uh, w- they, they talk about like murdering a child right. in that song. It is very intense. Uh, and that, uh, Passamaquoddy or Passama I think is the name of the song. um, that that one dude sings is pretty good you know it's it's one of those kind of like um trouble in river city you know like those kinds of songs that like uh you get this leading man performer triple threat type guy singing and dancing and just being very uh just a very good performer Also, uh, shout out to Kristen Chenoweth for "Evil Like Me" from The Descendants, (laughs) which was like a highlight moment of The Descendants. Some things uh, are good on paper and don't like translate for me when they finally go up on screen. And The Descendants is one of those things for me. I'm like, this seems like something I would be really into, and I did not like it at all. Right? But But this number, "Evil Like Me," this number, like. Hit the spot. It's kind of like that goofiness that I think that the movie is missing. Mandy, how about you?
0: Oh my gosh! Well, Chris, you and I are on the same wavelength because I initially wrote down another descendant song, um, "The Rotten to the Core," just because that's mm. such a such a beat. Um, and then I'd also written down the Pete's Dragon song, "Every Little Piece." Talk oh. about odes to capitalism, cough, cough, fidelity, fiduciary <laughs> bank. You have got the one that did it better in Pete's Dragon. So uh, that missed the dance for sure, but. Um, Two that I had that weren't mentioned were, um, I mean, you have to bring up Don't Fall in Love from Beauty and the Beast 2, Forte's song, sung by the incomparable dulcet tones of Tim Curry. How could that classic be left off this bracket is a mystery to me, because what a villain song. Um, And then the other one I had, given it is October, is um, Come Little Children from Hocus Pocus. Um, which mm. Sarah Jessica Parker sings I understand that it's in the movie for like A hot minute but it is So creepy And eerie and I love it so those Were those were a couple that missed the dance for me
1: I almost uh, made uh, I put a spell on you Ooh, from Hocus Pocus yeah. as a, a miss the dance But I felt like that was too much of a Pop song before it was a, a Disney Song so
2: I still stand by the fact that the Sanderson Sisters would not know the lyrics to that song. <laughs> If they, if they came forward in time like 500 years or whatever it was.
1: Uh, all right, Chris. We have our drinks in hand. We've gone through our upper deck cards. We've talked about the demographic of folks talking about Haunted Mansion. Uh, the Haunted Mansion Muppet Special. We've talked about the Mist of the Dance. It is time to announce our bracket of 16. So let's go ahead and cue the dramatic music. And here we go. At the number one seed, so sad, so true, it's Poor Unfortunate Souls from The Little Mermaid.
2: You say you've got a revolution, coming in at number two from The Lion King, it's Be Prepared.
1: The sack of bugs sitting at the number three spot is Oogie Boogie Song from The Nightmare Before Christmas.
2: Hashtag no new friends coming in at number four from Princess and the Frog. Friends on the other side. The horniest song ever
1: written is sitting at the number five seed. It's Heaven's Light slash Hellfire.
2: (laughs) A Gaslighters National Anthem coming in at number six from Tangled Mother Knows Best.
1: Slithering its way into the seven spot is Trust in Me from The Jungle Book.
2: Just humans being bros coming in at number eight from Beauty and the Beast, Gaston.
1: Coming in at the ninth seed, representing the greatest villain of all time. From the greatest animated film of all time is Cruella Deville from 101 Dalmatians.
2: I hope. I hope this is the Selena Gomez version that we're talking about. <laughs> on this Cruella, bracket today. It's business time for the number 10 seed from Moana. Shiny.
1: Hurling jack-o-lanterns at the 11 seed is the Headless Horseman from The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad.
2: One of the only kidnapping songs in Hollywood history, coming in at number 12 from Pinocchio, High Diddly-Dee.
1: Colonizing the 13 seed is Mine 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 from Pocahontas.
2: No Yo-Ho's allowed, coming in at number 14 from Peter Pan, It's A Pirate's Life.
1: Eating up turnt boys at the 15 seed is the world's greatest criminal mind from The Great Mask Detective.
2: Make it rain, Trick, cause the number 16 seed from Mary (laughs) Poppins is Fidelity Fiduciary Bank. All right, Mandy, we've got our field of 16. Any early favorites for you here? Any uh, low seeds, any high seeds?
0: Oh man, I mean, there is a lot of bangers on this list and yeah uh when i first saw it i actually had to go in and do some research to like see if that would help inform my opinions uh-huh. and based on that research one of these really really stands out in terms of the geniusness of its composition i won't reveal which one i'm going to try to keep an open mind listen to the arguments but i hope it does well so that's all i'm gonna say
2: All right. Well, on on that note of genius, let's get into the first matchup. It's number one, (laughs) Poor Unfortunate Souls versus number 16, Fidelity Fiduciary Bank. Poor Unfortunate Souls. Everyone knows Poor Unfortunate Souls. It's from The Little Mermaid, sung by Ursula. Um, Very stirring rendition, very well sung, um, very memorable. It's it's a banger. It definitely is. Um, This is Ursula manipulating Ariel into this deal where Ariel gives up her voice. That's all I have to say about that. Oh my Because I want to talk about Fidelity Fiduciary <laughs> Bank. Um, I'm so happy this song is on this bracket. Somehow. This is, this is a song that I've really only come to appreciate in adulthood. Um, and I think that kind of speaks to how good this song actually is. Uh, within the context of the movie, Mary Poppins. So me and Kyle talk about Mary Poppins a lot. We're, we're both big Mary Poppins fans of the the original film. And so sometimes me and Kyle, we are on the same wavelength when it comes to <laughs> like opinions about <laughs> Disney things. And sometimes we are not. Um, and sometimes it's like, we don't always realize what wavelength the other person is on. <laughs> and And this song was what i i brought it up at some point this summer and i was like oh yeah i freaking love this song and kyle was like um what sorry what you like that song and i was like you 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 don't like that song like what are you (laughs) talking about so i'm happy we finally get to talk about it um mandy shouted this out as like an anthem to capitalism and uh i that's basically what this is this the thing that is great about this song is that it really is kind of like the theme of mary poppins if you watch it through the lens of a child it's uh, a, a nanny coming and doing magic and uh, taking them on this lovely adventure through a chalk world um, and she <laughs> sings happy songs and the chimney sweeps dance. that's mary poppins but you know it it really takes the mind of an adult to appreciate the commentary on capitalism that this movie actually is.
1: Yeah, totally.
2: And it all kind of comes to a point right here with this villain song where you've got Dawes, Tomes, Mousley, Grubbs and Dawes Jr. All singing to child Michael, child Jane, trying to manipulate them into basically giving them their money. Mm-hmm. Um, and also we can't forget that Mr. Banks is there too. Who's kind of like chiming in on it. And uh, Mr. Banks is in a very difficult spot in this movie. He's like trying to appease his superiors at the bank. Also trying to like maintain his family life. Um, hence the movie saving Mr. Banks. Mr. Banks is, is the sneaky main character of Mary Poppins. Yeah. Uh, Tuppence.
1: Oh yeah. Tuppence. Birds, baby. bird's
2: Patiently. So Tuppence is, for those of you that don't know, basically the equivalent of two pennies. Mm -hmm. It is literally like basically no money at all. And so Michael's like, I want my Tuppence to feed the birds. And the bank people are like, give us your money so that you can invest it with us. That is uh, good for you, good for your future. Uh, You'll be a part of railways through Africa. (laughs) like. You know, they they go, they laundry list all of these, like, investment opportunities for this literal, like, four-year-old who has two pennies, Um, and I think it's just trying to say there are some things that are worth more than money. That's kind of like the theme of Mary Poppins. Yeah, totally. On the one hand, you can take your money and put it in the bank um, and be a part of capitalism, or you can feed the birds and, you know, just, just the, do it. Be less fortunate. Right, Uh and so... It's really, you know, it's really a beautiful theme. I think there's a happy medium.
1: <laughs> sure, I think, yeah, there can be in not giving all of your money away, but also not giving into the forces of capitalism. I agree with that.
2: Right. So, uh, yeah, but it wouldn't be Disney <laughs> if they if they went right down the middle with it. Mary Poppins <laughs> is
1: just about a very like level-headed nanny that comes in and is like just making life just very straightforward for the kids instead of this like fantastical journey.
2: She like comes in and she's like okay can everyone just stop for a second how about Michael invests one penny with you and then he takes one penny to feed the birds. That way he's investing towards his future and he's also enjoying the moment.
1: (laughs) What if she comes in opens the door and she's like okay Mr. Banks what if for about an hour a day, you came in through the door and stopped thinking about work and you listened to your wife and then, okay, kids, what if you also spent that time with them and then everyone gets what they need? And everybody's like, yep, roll credits after five minutes of Mary Poppins.
2: <laughs> yeah, we need, we need a, a, a what if universe, what if Disney universe, what if, what if uh, everyone was open with their feelings in the Banks <laughs> <thing's> house? <laughs> Uh, so I did a little bit of research on some of the the bankers, oh. uh, because all of these guys just they look like old men, old white men, you yep. know. And so I I was like, who is the oldest person in this group? And that is uh Cyril Delavant Cyril Delvanti, who is Grubbs, and he's the one who's like in the left hand side with the big sideburns. He, like he looks really old. Yep. Um, and he was he was 75 years old when they filmed this, uh, which means he was born in 1889. Whoa, this man baby. was born 40 years before automobiles. Oh my gosh. Uh, and he was he was in this number. And and so the youngest person in this number is Dawes Jr., uh, who is played by Arthur Mallet, and he was 37. When he filmed this and he's the one with the glasses who is my favorite one he has my favorite line when he goes all matters of private enterprise
1: yep yep, yep. he
2: has like the weird high-pitched voice <laughs> uh so I, I think that's interesting that you have someone who's 37 and someone who's 75 like in the same little banker group
1: how, was, how old was dick van dyke don't know
2: okay
0: he made his voice sound so old, though. He can't do a Cockney <laughs> accent at all, but his old man voice is on point.
1: Pretty solid.
2: <laughs> so stands the bank of England. <laughs> England stands. Uh, yeah. I mean, that goes without saying. Expert performance by Dick Van Dyke in this number. Um, yep. And just like the... It's just so, like, goofy and corny. Uh, so, like, the whole thing... I think my favorite moment in this song is when they start like cornering Michael and yep. Jane. Um by the way this is like the whole time during the song Michael and Jane are just staring at them like slack-jawed. Just like Michael's like and Jane is like squinting and she's like what? Like what are you what are you talking about? I don't know what you seem to be really excited about it but I have no idea what you're saying. Which is like that's the point, right? Mm-hmm. Like this just these people should not be trying to take advantage of actual children. Sure. But anyways, my favorite part is when they start cornering them up against the wall and they're singing about all the things you can bank, bank in, like chattels, dividends, shares, corporations, amalgamations, and then they go, banks. <laughs> and that is like that is like them kind of like tipping their hand a little bit, mm-hmm. where they're clearly trying to like manipulate these kids into being like, look, this is for your benefit. And then, but when they say banks, it's like this whole thing is just a money-making scheme in itself in general. And I like, I like that. I like that. And it kind of like stops at that moment and like lets that word hang for a bit. Yeah. You kind of have to think about it. You've got the Sherman brothers course writing writing this one uh when we were talking about the Sherman's in our I think in our best Bob's bracket yep. Kyle you mentioned the March the Marchy style the Sherman's all of their they're great at these like boom 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 songs that kind of like make you bob your head a little bit and this is one of them I mean we see the we see the bankers literally marching yeah uh to this song also I mean just lyrical genius uh we've got You'll achieve that sense of stature as your influence expands to the high financial strata that established credit now commands. <laughs> Just like lyrics that only the Sherman brothers could write.
1: thousand percent.
2: We, we need a song about money for children. See what you got, Dick and Bob. <laughs>
0: I'm
2: going gonna, I'm gonna to go with this song. I'm going to go yeah, with Fidelity, right. for your bank. Like no, I have are. to, we know. We you know, know you are. <laughs> like it's so good. Um, I just, I just like that it explores all the themes in the movie. Not that, um, uh, poor unfortunate souls doesn't, I think that kind of like uh, coming of age element and like not trusting everyone around you is like part of the little mermaid, but, uh, there are a lot of things going on in in Fidelity (laughs) fiduciary bank and I, I just really appreciate it.
1: Yeah. I can appreciate your appreciation for it for sure. Obviously, I don't like the song. You you prefaced that before even uh even speaking on your piece. And that conversation was around if we did a Mary Poppins song bracket, like it, just the best song from that movie. You were like number two.
2: Fidelity. And I was like, what are you talking
1: about? Um but yeah, it's it's I get it. I get how smart it is. I get the commentary, I get how it does make capitalism and all of its features be this kind of villain for the kids, um, but I think it's also just one villain of of many in that movie it's This is one part of growing up that Mary Poppins is trying to show is is can be evil and turn you into a Mr. Banks who is neglectful to their families and doesn't see the fun in life anymore
2: well, what's funny is like these these like old English white men are like the modern day equivalent to the finance bro. Oh
1: yeah, like, exactly.
2: I need. I, I might need a Patagonia sweater vest <laughs> with Fidelity, Fide- uh, Dawes, Tomes, Mousley Grubs embroidered on the left wow. chest. Wow.
1: Wow. I think you merch, need idea. That. Yep, merch idea. There you go. There you go. I think you need that. It can um, go
2: with my uh, Evers and Evers real estate polo. <laughs> oh my god.
1: <laughs> Um, and both both of these songs, "Poor Unfortunate Souls" and uh, and Fidelity, are two that are two villains that are using their power to attempt to manipulate our protagonist. Right? Um, obviously, it's way more straightforward in "Poor Unfortunate Unfortunate Souls." It's delivered to us in a very smart, almost convoluted way that is meant to make us think. You talk about them pausing on the word "banks." It's then to allow us to be like, wait, what did they just say? While like Ursula and hers is really just laying it out for us. Like it's very obvious that she's tricking Ariel. She mentions it in the very first verse that she she admits that she was, you know, a bad a bad person. She was people called her a witch like, oh, well, oh, they used to call me a witch, uh, but I'm better now. I, I do things for good now. I make people's dreams come true. All they have to do is, is sign a contract. And I like that at one point she kind of lets the glimmer of of evil shine through. Like she cannot keep this manipulation up. She says, uh, "Now it's happened once or twice. Someone couldn't pay the price, and I'm afraid I had to rake them across the coals." Like she's like, "I'm not all good. I uh, I have to punish when people don't pay up. Uh, it's it's just." Uh, when you think about Disney villain songs, like as much as I appreciate what uh, Mary Poppins does and in that film and what that song does for for the film and for that moment, uh, this is just it, it, this is one of those like sixteen can't take down this number one for me. Ursula's poor, unfortunate souls has to move on just for its plot movement. This is the biggest point. If if Ursula doesn't manipulate Ariel. Movie's over. Ariel goes back and apologizes to her dad. <laughs> this, is, this is just such a big moment. I like this song a lot. Um, I'm going to move it on, which means Mandy, from the top, you're going to break a tie.
0: Ooh, this is exciting. Wow, already, this is, this is going to be a hot pod. Um, <laughs> so when I was, it was interesting because I was listening to these songs last night with, speaking of fiancés on the pod, my fiancé, um, and he immediately was like, oh, Fidelity Fiduciary Bank has to win. It has to win. And um, when I pressed him why he was like, oh, it's educational for the children. Children need to hear this song. (laughs) But let me tell you, my fiancé was raised on a British island that's a tax-free haven that essentially raises you to be an accountant. So I do not (laughs) trust his opinion. I am going with poor unfortunate souls. I cannot have Howard Ashman go out that quick in this bracket. So...
1: (laughs) Oh, he is one of the bankers. He is. That's the whole thing. He is. <laughs> well damn. All right. Let's move on to this next matchup, which is gonna be a contentious one. It's the number eight, Gaston versus number nine, Corella Deville. <laughs> this is literally like you can probably you might be able just to guess who's gonna go with what here, <laughs> just based upon Cheers. this matchup, right?
2: <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Your queen versus my king.
1: <laughs> um so I I will very briefly talk about Gaston because I want to let Chris do it. Um Gaston, we we have talked about it a lot. Uh this is the Gaston's hype song in Beauty and the Beast the tavern is singing about how great he is after he is denied by Belle. Uh is trying to f- uh LeFou's trying to cheer him up and he does so through this parlor bar song. Uh, and we learn about how into himself Gaston is and how even some of the taverners are not too down with how Gaston is. There's one who mentions that he bites while he wrestles. Like, that's obviously a dig. Like, no, he also fights dirty. He's not the greatest guy. Um, that's Gaston's song. He was written by Mencken and Ashman, uh, Alan Mencken and Howard Ashman, as we just went through with uh, Poor Unfortunate Souls. Uh, power duo of all of these 90s Disney movies and, and big Disney songs. So. That's pretty cool. Um, Cruella Deville. This is a song that is not performed by or with our villain in the room. This is Roger, who is a jingle writer, creating a song for this woman that he does not like, who is friends with his wife, Anita, who is coming over. And he's letting the audience know that this Cruella girl sucks. And he does so by painting her as a monster before we even get to meet her. And it turns out in the film, like she is a monster. She turns into this like puppy killer who wants to make coats out of these Dalmatian puppies like that is, yep, a monster. And that's exactly how Roger describes her. This song, if you listen to it on the soundtrack, and even if you listen to it as you watch the film, there's a very long uh Intro period where it's just somebody going absolutely bananas ham on the keys, uh, playing the piano to just an instrumental version of Corella Deville. In the film, Roger's doing that upstairs, uh, and it's muffled behind like Anita talking to the na- to the maid. But when you're listening to the soundtrack version, I love it. I could listen to that piano loop forever. It's just so like like jazzy raw feeling like it's definitely like somebody sat down on a on a street corner piano and just started going at it right i love that feeling of of the rawness of the song it was written by mel levin who wrote the lyrics for all of the songs in babes in toyland just to <laughs> bring it back to this holiday themed episode <laughs> hopefully we don't have to talk about that movie again uh, and it was performed by bill lee who's actually one of the mellow Men. So mm-hmm. the Melo we brought up multiple times in recent podcasts, uh, but they were the singing group for the Disney company who we hear in the parks all the time. They're the accompaniment for Tiki Room, Haunted Mansion, Country Bear Jamboree. And uh, Bill Lee specifically was the Ram in Mary Poppins during uh, what Jolly Holiday and the singing voice for Shere Khan in The Jungle Book. So this dude also has some singing parts in other films. I just love that we get to get the taste of who this villain is before we even get to meet her. Um, Of course, my favorite lines, a couple of them. She's like a spider waiting for the kill, a vampire bath, this inhuman beast. Like, she's worse than a monster. She's like, she's not even human. That's how awful she is. And you're about to meet her. And yeah, it, it feels like that. And then, of course, at first, you think Cruella is a devil. Of course, her last name is DeVille. But after time has worn away the shock, once you come back to, you come to realize you've seen her kind of eyes, watching you from underneath a rock. It is just pure poetry to me. I love that so much. I love the, the fact that like, Corella is not just a evil piece. She's the embodiment of evil and fear. So much so that when you feel like you're being watched, you're being watched by Cruella. Like Cruella is the essence of evil. It's a great villain song. Gaston's hype song to feed his ego. It's good. But when it comes to talking about evil and villainy villainry, I'm going with Cruella de Vil.
2: Yeah. Uh I knew I knew your love for this <laughs> song. This is, I mean, Kyle loves 101 Dalmatians. It's like one. It's like one of the Trademarks of Mouse Madness. Um, Gaston, we've talked about a few times on this podcast. We talked about him as a Disney villain in the second bracket we ever did. We talked about him as a turnt boy. The Best turnt boys bracket. Um, This song, like you said about uh, the mob song, Gaston has this hold over the people of this town that they all live in i don't know what it's called is it does it have a name i don't think so
1: huh yeah i don't know i don't think so the, jerry's game that will be-, be a trivia question be- sure
2: <laughs> sure beauty and the beast town in um in kingdom hearts the 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 castle is called hollow bastion huh i okay. know that i know that um me gamer i'm a huge gamer giant gamer <laughs> I know everything about video games <laughs> um, so, so anyways uh, Gaston is like for being this so unlikable person to us, the audience, and like a clear villain, you know he's got like all of the villain tendencies he's mm-hmm. he's got a very kind of like jagged face he's big he talks with a very deep voice he's overconfident um he he clearly like sees himself above others mentally physically everything like those are all just classic disney villain traits so we know he's a villain but he is the good guy to so many people um and it, it makes bell all that more heroic and relatable yeah, she's it's she's sees it's, pass it. Yeah, and she's the outcast and she's uh and that makes her relatable. You know, like people who people who are down on their luck in movies are are relatable heroes in like the classic Hollywood sense. Um and so kind of like having the villain be the one who everyone is on their side, like that just enhances our feelings towards Belle. Sure. And ultimately the beast in the end as well. Um so the fact that like LeFou plays such a large part in this song is a little bit frustrating for me because <laughs> I really find LeFou quite annoying. I, I honestly don't even remember what we said about him in our best villainous minions bracket. Yeah, I don't it was, That was like at the very beginning of the pandemic when we were all kind of like in a haze. <laughs> but I love the... I mean, whoever... Whoever is doing Gaston, whether it's on Broadway or in the movie, like the Gaston vocals are always—they uh, always hit the spot for me. Those yeah. those little re- refrains. Uh, As a specimen, yes, I'm intimidating. Hmm. Like, uh, always just so good. I wish, so I wish Gaston played a little bit more of a part in in these songs, these versions of the song. But alas, it's just—it's really interesting because. Obviously, Gaston is this straight, uh, hetero, cis, hyper-masculine man. Mm -hmm. And uh, ultimately, I think Beauty and the Beast is uh, partially about villainizing that idea (laughs)
1: Okay, yeah, sure. I
2: I mean, like the fact that Gaston is so like caricaturized makes makes me believe that that is true. Um, especially up against bell as being this like bookworm kind of like nerd person. Like that's just a classic, like high school cliche, the jock versus the nerds. And like, Mm -hmm. I think this movie is villainizing, not just Gaston himself, but like the idea of the popular person, the jock person. Um, And like, yes, Gaston is like a pretty fun song. I think Um, it's really, it, kind of makes your skin crawl a little bit because <laughs> it's it's glorifying all of these things that if we do sympathize with bell we, we feel bad that everyone is you know kind of like on the other side i'm like a gaston fan like a fan of the character because of how like meat-headed he is not because like i aspire to be gaston but like <laughs> uh i just i, I think that the 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 way he's kind of portrayed as a buffoon uh, is humorous. Yeah. And, and I think that's how he comes off in park, you know, because they, they do Gaston is one of the most popular meeting greets at the magic kingdom. He's got his own tavern, you know, I'm <laughs> um, like, yes, he is a pig. Uh, he, he is pretty funny though. at The same time. Yeah. I'm going with Gaston for sure. I mean, lo- <laughs> love, Love Beauty and the Beast. Love the character <laughs> Gaston. Love the song mm. Gaston. It's, it's definitely this eight seed for me. So we got yeah, back-to-back tiebreakers from Mandy.
0: Oh, my goodness. Turn up the heat. Um, <laughs> so listen, I'm so sorry, Kyle. I'm going to have to go with Gaston. And the reason is, okay, have you ever heard of a little song by Thelonious Monk called Baloo Bolivar Baloo's R? No. no. Not. Take a listen. Mel Levin confessed he wrote Cruella DeVille in homage to this song, but it is straight ripped. It is heavy interpolation. You got the da 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 da. You got all the jazzy. And Thelonious Monk just does it so much better. So I gotta, I gotta go with Gaston. But Cruella, <sighs> I love that tune. But as soon as I heard the Thelonious Monk version, I was like, oh, it's out. So no. Gaston takes it.
1: Brutal.
2: Dang. Well, you know, if Selena Gomez, if we were talking about Selena Gomez, <laughs> she, she might have beat Gaston, but, but we are not. Oh, so Gaston moves on. Oh, I mean, Fidelity Fiduciary versus Gaston, that would have been just a treat. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, Alright, moving on, we've got number four, Friends on the Other Side from Princess and the Frog versus number 13, Mine, Mine, Mine from Pocahontas. Um, I feel like we've been talking about <laughs> Princess and the Frog yeah, and Doctor Faciliate like a lot lately. I I don't know why,
1: because we had to talk about him dying, and then we had to talk about him killing Ray. So in the last few episodes, we've had to talk about him doubled up every time we mentioned either one of those characters.
2: So I mean, we we've talked about everything we need to about this character. He's yeah. uh. uh Oh okay, Mandy's got some Facilier ears. She's throwing on, <laughs> on right now.
0: Tess Tess got me these, so oh, I knew I had to wear them at some point. Uh and I figured there's no time like the present. So
2: No, those are great. Facilier is a swindler. He is a dishonest person a masquerading as an honest person. Uh he lures Naveen and his little little dude friend into the uh Maurice parlor. Maurice, is that his name? Yeah. Maurice is also Bell's dad's name, so that's confusing. Oh, they have I the, could they, also
1: be completely wrong. Both
2: short they, and fat. They look, yeah, I was going to say, they look very similar. Um, so he lures him, you know, singing about tarot cards, um, and he's able to, like, predict what Naveen wants. Um and what Maurice wants as well. And he accurately predicts uh what is going to happen to them, but he does it in a way that is very vague, um, and kind of like makes us think one thing, but it ends up technically still being correct, but it's not quite the way that we thought it was going to happen, for example. When he's talking about Naveen, he's like, it's the green, it's the green, it's the green, I'll see, and something, 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 the green, you'll be, in the Mm -hmm. green, you'll be, or something like that. And we're like, oh, he's going to make money like he wants, but he turns into a frog, which is green in color. So, (laughs) yes, Dr. Facilier was technically correct, but it was in a way that was very sketchy and dishonest. It's a fun song. I, like, I, I would say uh, there are just so many good songs in Princess and the Frog. Friends on yeah. the Other Side definitely kind of like is lower on, I think, the, the power rankings of Princess and the Frog songs, but it's not bad at all. I think it's pretty underrated if we're talking about Princess and the Frog songs.
1: Sure, sure. I also want to interrupt you, and his name was not Maurice. It was Lawrence, Aww. which feels the same. Which mm-hmm. feels the same. Larry. Larry.
2: Larry. <laughs> um so friends on the other side is going up against um mine 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 which when i think about pocahontas and villain song what's the dude's name governor radcliffe isn't
1: it right yep
2: governor radcliffe which uh we failed to talk about governor radcliffe's in park costume (laughs) oh my (laughs) gosh yes Weird Disney Parks costume. That is a weird Disney Parks. If costume. I had to be
0: any non-face character in the park, though, I would be Governor Radcliffe because the, <laughs> the like flair and drama he has yes. in the parks is amazing.
1: He's working He's very
2: it. fabulous. Oh yeah, um, his face is stuck in a very strange expression. Uh, his <laughs> it's oddly shaped. Um, yes. So when I think about Pocahontas villain songs, I definitely think about savages. So mine, mine, mine was one I had to revisit in preparation for this bracket. And it was one that was on repeat for me. Whoa. A lot.
1: Whoa. Yeah. Hey, nani, nani.
2: Hey, nani, nani. This, I I really enjoy uh, this song and the, the play on words that is mine, 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 Mm -hmm. both commanding his, a little troop of miners to dig, but also uh what ends up being dug up will be mine, mine, mine uh, in his possession. So I texted Kyle. I was like, what does Hey, Nani, Nani mean? Cause he says this throughout the song. Hey, Nani, Nani, Hey, Nani, Nani. Uh, and, and basically it's an expression that means whatever dirt that was popular during that time. It, I don't,
1: It's dismissive.
2: It's like it's something like that.
1: It means, yeah, it means like whatever. Specifically, it came from the very first time it showed up in literature was uh, in Shakespeare.
0: Yeah, Willie
1: Shakes. Willie Shakes, big Billy Shakes over there throwing out a hey, nanny, nanny. And it was in Shakespeare's Much Ado About Nothing. And it's basically supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. It's something that you say as a like carefree phrase. Um, to almost be like whatever or it doesn't matter, or as a as a filler almost. So in this, in this play, the main character is singing to a song to these ladies, in which he recommends instead of worrying about what the men are up to, they should convert their size and t- of despair into hey nani nani. So being like, ah, f- like forget about it. Like don't don't give them the time of day. It's whatever. Um, so basically. What that's being used here is being like, who cares about this land, the people? Yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's mine, mine, mine now.
2: Thank you for that. Um, One of my favorite parts in the song is when Radcliffe refers to King James as King Jimmy. (laughs) (laughs) It's glory. They'll give me my dear friend King Jimmy. It's so good. Uh John Smith, John John Smith hops into this song.
1: Am I
0: right? Mel
2: yeah,
1: Gibson. He does. Yeah. What's it let's, a, let's a belt out.
2: Gibby, he's he's singing about how he wants adventure. Yeah. Super super wants adventure and super wants to face danger. Trash. Boy. And that like uh moving to America will satisfy this adventurous itch that he's had his whole mm-hmm. life.
0: I will tame this wild land, is the vibes.
1: <laughs> right.
2: And so uh, you kind of have Ratcliffe and John Smith like same, same, but different. Like right. they, they both are acting kind of possessive towards this new world. Uh, Ratcliffe definitely wants to take advantage and strip it of its resources for personal gain. John Smith wants to conquer it for personal gain as well, but just in like a kind of a different way. Yeah. He kind of a manifest destiny attitude where he probably (laughs) wants to go coast to coast, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I'm going to go with mine, mine, mine. Um, (laughs) I think, I mean, I think uh, it's like Fidelity Fiduciary. I like a song that makes me think about the themes of the movie a little bit as it's happening. Villain songs are really important in that respect to kind of like show the... Uh, kind of like the other side of, of whatever conflict is happening and friends on the other side. It's not that it doesn't do that, but mine, 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 like I said, it's just been on repeat for me. So, so I'm, I'm advancing it here in, in an upset.
1: I really, really like friends on the other side. When you said that mine, mine, mine was on repeat for you. Like friends on the other side is one that I can throw on repeat at any time forever. I think it's a very, very well composed song, obviously written by Randy Newman, performed by Keith David. And you're right. Princess and the Frog has a lot of great songs, and this is just one of them. And what makes the song so great is it's very similar to Ursula's song in which not only are they talking about what they can do, but they're doing it while the song is taking place. Um, they're, They're explaining their powers and then they make their powers happen and that's basically how each song ends and so it's a nice way to like for a disney audience to dampen the mood that he just turned a human into a frog or that ursula just like ruined this woman's life by taking <laughs> her voice away from her and shoving her onto land right it's disney by putting it into song and it allows the villain to have a lot of times these villains are the stronger of the singers on these tracks and it allows them to to flex their muscles as well in a in a musical setting but i really like fasciliate because his song is so traditional disney villain but it's also authentic to like this quick talking uh trickster so like even he interrupts himself throughout the song to like explain things away like a salesman would so even at the beginning, when he's the all of the little voodoo guys come in to echo him, he's got friends on the other side, and then the baseline start coming boom 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 boom, and he's like, "That's an echo, gentlemen. It's a little something we have here in Louisiana. It's, it's a little parlor trick. Don't worry." Like he's forever still in this like explain away, show show the hand, but don't reveal the cards sort of situation, and I just love that that character stays that way. Stays true to the character and doesn't stop for the show stopping number that he just sings. He's also committing these tricks along the way. Another thing that I really like about like villains in general is us not being able to know the true force of their power. And in this song, he reveals that he doesn't even know what his full powers are. He says, I got voodoo, I got hoodoo, I got things I ain't even tried. But I got friends on the other side like that is like, wow, this dude powerful. I mean, his friends on the other side are powerful. That makes him powerful. But like he hasn't even tried some of the things like who knows what he's capable of. When it comes to manipulation in these songs, which is a big portion of what villains sing about or sing to to make happen is to manipulate. They always have the sense of grounding themselves or bringing them down to the, a similar level so that the protagonist can trust them. And he does this by slowing it down and just speaking straight to our, our characters. So he's like, you. Uh, he tells Naveen that you come from two lines of royalty. And he's like, I'm a royal myself. I'm a mother's side. Like that quick talking salesman attitude of like, I can make a sale if I can relate myself to you is such a great way of having somebody literally buy in to giving their life to you, right? Instead of like, Ursula tricking Ariel into signing a contract. This is like, let me relate to you. You can trust me. I'm going to make your life better by giving you what you want, which is green, green, green. And he does it instantly by betraying him. And then to cap off the salesman thing at the very end, he's slimy till the end. He says, you're changing, you're changing, you're changing. All right. I hope you're satisfied. But if you ain't, don't blame me. You can blame my friends on the other side. It's just so good and true to his character. I just love this song so much. Mine, mine, mine. Yeah. The the content of the song is much more awful because it it applies to a much more vast group of of people as opposed to just Naveen and Lawrence, who the voodoo doctor is changing into a frog and into Naveen, but taking... Uh, what they want most away from them. And this is literally about like conquering land, stealing things, bringing it back, making one man powerful. Uh, But when it comes to... I mean, Pocahontas in general is tough because like even in the song, they pit John Smith as this, I'm just here for an adventure. (laughs) It's like, well, you went on this trip and everybody's trying to find gold apparently, but we know it's to colonize these lands. And... (laughs) I just don't think that that's I'm I'm trying to justify my reasoning for moving uh friends on the other side along because that's what I'm going to do and it's just that song with the the villain making something happen moving the plot along enforcing their flexing their power in the moment is just such a disney villain show stopping t- thing that I like that better than like somebody singing about how how greedy they are i guess so i'm gonna move friends on the other side along which means mandy you're back you're breaking a tie
0: oh my goodness all right well i'm gonna make it quick i'm gonna go with friends on the other side um it's just too much of a bop it puts a little uh, pep in your step and you gotta love keith david's performance um such a smooth voice so sorry mind my mind but going to friends on the other side
1: all right Let's move on to the next matchup, which I was very excited to talk about. We got the number five, Heaven Light slash Hellfire from Hunchback of Notre Dame versus the number 12, High Diddly D. High Diddly D is all another manipulation song, except there's no trickery. You have to kind of watch the film to understand the context of this song in which Honest John is tricking Pinocchio to come join him as an actor. He's going to put him in shows. He's going to make him famous. He's going to make him rich. And Pinocchio knows no better because Pinocchio, up until about four hours ago, has been a puppet. So he literally <laughs> does not know what the world is like. And, and Geppetto sent him off to school for some reason. So he's he's going along. They're singing High Dilly D. Honest John is highlighting all of the greatness that is being an actor. And I have some of them listed out. And I wanted to ask uh, the two of you if, you, if this is a, a, a seller for you. Are these things that... That you would buy into.
0: As an actor, I'm offended by this song, but we can. Okay, great.
1: <laughs> okay, so if somebody came up to you and was like, "Hey, become a hack, an actor," you can get a high silk hat and a silver cane. Are you bought in?
2: Yes. Absolutely. Oh,
1: okay. Easy, easy enough. You're Pinocchio. You're born four hours ago. Mandy, yes. silk hat and.
0: You know, go through four years of college and then eat dollar pizza <laughs> every day. There is no silk hat and silk cane. <laughs>
1: All right, Chris. This one's for you. How about uh, if you if you became an actor, actor, you could have a waxed mustache and a beaver coat.
2: Mm. Yes, yes. To for both, sure. you
1: you pause a little bit. Yeah. Is there some hesitation mm. around one of them? You don't need. Well, the I had to think
2: about. I had to think about what waxed mustache is. Like wax is in like wax removal, or wax is in like it's it's formed perfectly with a huh. little spiral. And I think it's the second one, which yeah. is why I had to be like yes, because okay. I, I like. I like growing a mustache. It's like one of my favorite things to do. So, absolutely,
1: Mandy. If you were an actor uh, in this life and you you were able to do whatever you wanted, would you stop and buy out a candy store?
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah, one hundred percent.
1: All right, sounds like the actor's life is for both of you. Uh, that's basically the song. It's Honest John listing off things like that that are supposed to be appealing to kids. And say, come along. I've got candy in the van. Let's make this thing happen. You are a child slave now.
2: Yeah, it sounds, basically sounds like he's just trying to make Pinocchio Willy Wonka. Uh, <laughs> yeah. T- silk hat, right. cane, candy <laughs> yeah, store. Yeah. you got that yeah. coat
0: from the thrift shop.
1: Hmm. A carriage for four. That's the, the thing that pulls up all of the, the folks with the golden ticket. Arrives at the, it all checks out. Pinocchio Loki Willy Wonka Heaven's Light Hellfire The villain song in this is Hellfire But the song is coupled Because you have to juxtapose The two horninesses Of Quasimodo And Count Claude Frollo Quasi just got rescued By Ezzie, Esmeralda And now he's up in the tower being like, oh, my God, she just kissed me. This is the most amazing thing. I love her. This is so, so great. I hope I see her again. She has shown me heaven's light. Then we go down into the basement to Claude Frollo, who is like, I think I like that gypsy girl. And (laughs) this is her fault for that. And I think that uh, Virgin Mary, I'm going to need you. To help me eliminate this lust by eliminating her and that's basically the song he's just like <laughs> praying to the virgin mary that he can get rid of this lust that is burning in him like hellfire the sun caught in her raven hair is blazing in me out of all control jesus man it's just it sets him up to be the psychopath that he ends up being right and he this song ends with one of the guards being like, Esmeralda's gone because she was captured. And he was like, I'll, I'll, have, I'll burn down Paris if I have to. And that's essentially what he does. He goes like house by house and burns down uh, people's livelihoods in search of this gypsy woman. But in essence, he wants to get rid of all gypsies because he was once tempted by one, I guess. <laughs> so absolutely bonkers. Uh, it's when you have a song like this, Up against something like High Diddly D, which I think that I said, like, ah, yeah, this is kind of a slap. Maybe it was in Best Disney song long ago, and you were like, No, this song sucks. And in like re-listening to it, yeah, kind of does. It's it's like a, a nursery rhyme almost, it feels that way, where it's just this repeatable thing. There's no real structure. It's just sing the verse over and over again and then say fancy things. While like Hellfire is like a It's like a Broadway number like this. You can see the two halves of the stage in this moment when this is happening and you can see the lightheartedness and then you can see the absolute villainy that is Claude Frollo in his dungeon looking at this fire, getting ready to burn down Paris and kill Esmeralda. It's absolutely crazy. And that's that craziness that I'm going to pass along here in this round. Number five, Heaven's Light, Hellfire, moving on.
2: Um, the Pinocchio soundtrack slash score is maybe my favorite, uh, in, in like all of Disney, like across the board. If you go with like every sound element of the whole movie, uh, That's a good score. uh yeah, it's incredible, but it's just like you said, it's so interesting to see how far like these <laughs> Disney songs as an, as an idea, as a, a piece of art has, came, you know? Mm-hmm. At first it was very simple and now we have this song singing about like very serious topics. Um, and, and I shouted this out before I'll shout it out again. Probably won't be the last time. Uh, in my Q&A I did with Alan Menken, not did, I was not doing the keys, <laughs> uh, but like, I was yeah, watching Chris. someone else do yeah, the keys. Wow. Flexing. <laughs> the Q and a I attended with Alan Macon, uh, someone asked like, what's your favorite piece, uh, of music or your favorite like thing you've ever done music for. And he said, newsies and hunchback (laughs) newsies because it was a redemption story hunchback because I think it was my most like sophisticated work I ever did. And I think that is a hundred percent accurate. And I think it all culminates with God bless the outcasts and, Hellfire. Yes. Uh, I, I want to talk about it more in the next round. I am advancing it over high Diddle Ma- Mandy, congrats. You don't have to break the tie here, but do you agree?
0: <laughs> oh, 100%. 100, 100%, 1000%. Uh, happy to see the trash that is high Diddle go down. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, let's hop over to the other side of the bracket. We've got number two, Be Prepared from Lion King, sung by our boy Scar, Ooh. versus number 15, uh, Greatest Criminal Mind. Yep, sung by Ratigan from the Great Mouse Detective. I've never seen the Great Mouse Detective. What?
0: Huh?
2: Don't know a lot about it.
1: Okay.
2: Uh, all I know about the Great Mouse Detective is this song, and <laughs> everything that I could gather from the villainous board game uh, when I play <laughs> as Ratigan, which is not much. I still like am very confused. World's greatest criminal mind, Ratigan, performed by Vincent Price who, if you don't know who Vincent Price is, he is one of the great horror actors of all time. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you don't watch a lot of old movies, you still probably know who Vincent Price is because he's the one who does the rap portion of Michael Jackson's Thriller. Yes. What? Absolutely How did I
0: go through my entire life not knowing that fact?
2: Vincent Price is one of the most iconic actors of all time. Um, And he... He does his Disney business oh, in, yeah. in The Great Mouse Detective as Radigan. I just like I don't want to be like a boomer about this, but like <laughs> they just they don't they don't make them like they used to. <laughs> and Vincent Price is evidence of this, like um, the, the ability to sing and dance and act and like just be this uh, magnetizing presence on screen it's hard to come by. And I think Mm -hmm. that's just because we demand more out of our actors these days. Like back then you, uh, the studios would basically like invent PR stories about you and, and you were just the actor on the screen and you could be a total D wad off camera. And like, no one would know. (laughs) Whereas like nowadays you're held to a little bit of a higher standard. So I think, uh, there are a lot more like specialists out there now, as opposed to like the, the leading man generalists like your Dick Van Dyke's mm-hmm. uh, like your Vincent Price's uh was uh, was Vincent Price the Babe's and Toyland guy too?
1: The Babe's and Toyland guy was Ray Bolger.
2: That's right. He's from uh he's the Scarecrow from Wizard of Oz. Yes. But I means but I mean same thing, you know, like performer that's just like very captivating on screen, you know yeah vincent price in horror iconic horror movies like the original house on haunted hill 1959 he was in edward scissorhands as the like uh professor guy or whatever Mm. i I think edward scissorhands dad Mm -hmm. um he was also in the original house of wax the fly (laughs) mask of the red death he was in Ten Commandments. He was not Moses, but he was in Ten Commandments, which is a classic Hollywood iconic film. Iconic actor from old Hollywood. Golden Age of Hollywood. Um, so this, this world's greatest p- criminal mind number is just him like pumping himself up and, and all of his cronies being like, that's right, you're the man. He's just yeah. got like a whole room of like hype men being like Radigan, Radigan. Radigan was the greatest criminal mind.
1: <laughs> and he's like I did this thing, I did that thing, I did that crime, I did this crime.
2: I <laughs> like maybe Mandy can explain this to me, but there's a moment where like someone calls him a rat because his he's, name's like obviously Radigan but he's not a rat.
0: He likes to be called um, or referred to or thought of as a mouse. So when you call him a rat, he gets very upset, which is a, it's a tough mistake to make, especially when you're drunk. Like, right, rat. like turboy. Boy. You're just see- seeing rat again, so I feel bad for poor Bartholomew. But
2: So, so is he a rat or is he a mouse? He's a,
1: he's a rat that wants to be a mouse because the connotation of rat when you're a criminal is not something that you want to be. He doesn't rat anybody out. He's not a rat. He's a mouse Mm. and somebody's like, Mm. yeah, a really, really big mouse. (laughs) That's funny.
2: (laughs) 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 Not a super deep song. No. I'm going up against Be Prepared, which is a song about transition of power, treason, murder, uh, dictatorship. Like it's intense. And Mm -hmm. like, uh, you kind of get to see the gears turning in scar's head as he is just so worked up about his relationship with Mufasa and his position, uh, within the pride rock governmental structure that he, he just starts going off on this tangent and he's just ranting to his hyena buddies. And he's like, look, I'm going to change some stuff. And and we're gonna change things and everything's gonna change for the better. And uh he, he does that um wolf in sheep's clothing thing where he like promises the hyenas, you're gonna be able to eat all you want, like you're never gonna go hungry again. Like he tries to kind of like stir the people at the bottom of the food chain, the the scavengers, to be like, Look, we're gonna we're gonna change some stuff around here. Yep. We're gonna overthrow the king. But what's funny is that he wants to be the king. He's he's going on this rant about how, like, it's not right the way things are, and uh, he doesn't like the power structure when he... Like, he literally wants to have that power structure. And uh, it's when the hyena's like, no king, no king, no king. And then Scar's like, well, no. I'm going to be the king. Uh, so it's a little bit... It is it is slightly hypocritical, which which I kind of, like... I think that kind of makes Scar a little bit more relatable because he's like full of it. Yep. I like that. Uh, The song itself, uh, better, more poetic, more scary. Uh, The visuals are great to go along with it. I think I I did a little uh, anecdote when I like one of the earliest memories I have as a human being is like laying in my bed as a two or three year old listening to this song. On a (laughs) a cassette. Yeah. um, And like just being absolutely terrified by like the (laughs) shadows on my wall. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So, like, I mean, hey, when I 30 years later, when I listen to this song, I still get those kind of like like, slightly uncomfortable by this. Uh, Definitely, Two Seed is advancing here over World's Greatest Criminal Mind.
1: Two Seed is definitely advancing. And I think that this is such a brilliant song. And I want to talk a lot about it. I have a lot of notes on it. So I'll save it for next time. But there is one portion that I just, I, I want to bring up so bad. So like at the very beginning, he's roasting the hyenas. Like he starts out this song where he's going to tell these hyenas his plan by saying that they're idiots. And he's like, but thick as you are, pay attention. My words are a matter of pride. And it's like... These words are a matter of pride to him. He's this, he's, he is proud of who he is. He wants to take over. It's a matter of his pride that you need to listen to him, give him your attention. But it's also a matter of the lion's pride. It's a matter of taking control of the pride. It's a matter of gaining complete power over the ecosystem that this pride exists in. There are so many lines like that. And it is so good. I love this song a lot. It is definitely moving on. Mandy, do you agree?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Be Prepared is one of the all-time greats sung by one of my favorite actors, Jeremy Irons, with the vocal backup from Jim Cummings. Yep. Uh yep. which is incredible. You can't even tell the difference between the voice unless you like really listen carefully and then maybe it's Jim Cummings, maybe it's Jeremy Irons and I'm still not sure, but I find that incredible and um while I love World's Greatest Criminal Mind, um, it really shows, like, how bad Radigan is when they're s- asking him, like, oh, is this going to be better than your plan where you drowned all the widows and orphans? Yes! Oh, <laughs> it my It shows gosh. how nasty of a villain he is. Um, and Vincent Price said in some interviews that this was actually his favorite role that he played because he got to have two songs written for him specifically. <laughs> I find that so cute. Like, Vincent Price, who's <laughs> in all these horror movies, is like, I love playing Radigan." Like, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, you gotta give it to be prepared. It is, it is so good. So I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about it more.
1: I'm also sad that we missed the opportunity to get Bartholomew into the most biggest turnt boy bracket. He was my boy, in my Miss
2: the Dance. He was, he was in like my Miss the Dance, Miss the Dance. He was okay, like third okay. or
1: fourth. I on was there. gonna say because that that boy was turnt.
0: Yeah, it, <laughs> when he went out, like he was just too drunk to even notice. So it's a blessing at least.
1: Yeah, uh, he went, he went down as he wanted to, just in a drunken daze. All right, let's talk about this next matchup. It's the number seven, Trust in Me, from Jungle Book, versus the number 10, Shiny, from Moana. Uh, We are the Jungle Book, which I feel like doesn't come up a whole lot on our podcast. We don't talk about the Jungle Book a ton. Uh, It's
2: only the theme song of the podcast, but... It's
1: only the theme song of the podcast, (laughs) but uh, (laughs) we definitely don't talk about it very often. It's written by uh, the Sherman Brothers. It's performed by Sterling Holloway. Uh, Sterling Holloway basically only worked for Disney. Uh, he was Mr. Stork in Dunbow. He was the mouse in Aristocats. He was the grown-up flower in Bambi. Ka, obviously, and then very obviously, he is Winnie the Pooh. So this song is the lullaby that he is singing to Mowgli to have him fall asleep so that Ka the Snake can crush Mowgli and eat him. Uh, this song is him just saying, trust in me, trust in me, you can sleep safe and sound knowing that I'm around. Uh, it's very simple. It's one of... it's You know, Chris praised the Sherman brothers for their smart lyricism, uh, which it is a lot of the times to explain very complex situations. This is a very simple situation in which is very simple lyrics uh, in a very convoluted story. Like there are many villains in the Jungle Book. Mowgli is going through many, many villains. I want to be like you could have been a Miss the Dance, right? Because he you know king louis wants to take advantage of mowgli to get the secret to fire ends up in this chase in which the monkeys are trying to capture mowgli so this one is is interesting that he even made it but i guess i get it because that's a very iconic scene the the spiraling eyes of kaw um as mowgli is trying not to fall asleep and he's about to crush him very simple it's up against shiny uh this is the song from the villain, Big Old Shiny Crab in Moana. Uh, it's written by none other than Daddy Lynn. He's and, back. And last time that we talked about, I think Shiny specifically, I was like, there's no way that Lynn wrote this song without listening to or without Jermaine Clements, who is the performer in it, who is from Fly of the Concords," and they have a song called "Bowie in Space," which is this same exact style of song in which they are just impersonating Bowie uh, in this very, you know, quintessential David Bowie song. And so as I was doing research, it's a thousand percent inspired by Bowie in Space. <laughs> it just was written by Lynn Manuel Miranda. I still don't believe that it was only written by him, but it could have been uh, just because Jermaine does such a great job. I think this is a very. This is severely underrated at the ten seed. I think that this is a super great villain song. I think it's a great song overall. It's one that is very unexpected, and at the time of watching Moana, felt maybe too extra. But I recently rewatched Moana, and I was like, no, this is perfect. This is exactly what needed to happen. Uh, you get him. You get this kind of Gaston esque song where there, it's all about hype. It's it's Toa saying like. I'm, I'm shiny, I'm the best, I, I collect all of these shiny things, look at how glamorous I am. But then he also reveals like why he's attracting fish and other sea life to the shiny so that he can eat them and kill them. But then he also just like will randomly roast you or your family. So at one point he calls out freaking force grandma and he's like, Oh, did your granny say listen to your heart, but be who you are on the inside? I need, two, I need three words to tear her argument apart. Your granny died.
2: <laughs> your granny lied or your
1: granny died? Oh, she lied. God damn it. Oh
0: my gosh, she died. Your That'd granny so- lied.
1: <laughs> she also died so <laughs> she also died that would have been an even better diss if he was like yeah i have three words to tear that apart she's Grand dead, dead. Mother-
0: oh my gosh he's so good on the grandmas. like that whole i ate my grandma and it was a- yeah. <laughs> like-
1: <laughs> and then he like outed maui and his family problems and how he like was ousted by the human race and his family his parents abandoned him like Far from the ones who abandoned you, chasing the love of these humans who made you feel wanted. You try to be tough, but your armor's just not hard enough. Oof, Maui, Time Maui to...
2: man, <laughs> Maui
1: man. Very good. It feels like a. It feels like a villain song. This feels like an Ursula song. This feels like a Friends on the Other Side song, but it's just different enough and and fine tuned to Jemaine Clement that it make sense for the the voice and the mood and just what it is very glam very glam rock very david bowie and that's what we get here um in this matchup is definitely shiny for me
2: Uh, i'm with you i have nothing else to say uh trust in me (laughs) i cannot listen to it because it's it's sterling holloway is just he's winnie yeah. the pooh yeah. so it's like winnie the I, Pooh. It, it's like why is winnie the pooh trying to like lure me into some type of trap like why is he trying to hypnotize me don't like it yeah. <laughs> oh, uh yeah shiny tess not tess oh oh it's
0: fine we we, we interchange we're gemini twins oh. it's okay it's all good <laughs>
2: Mandy, do you agree?
0: I do. Um, I I do. And, you know, like, Trust in Me, the Sherman bros just love ripping themselves off. Um, I don't know if you know this, but Trust in Me is a direct lift from a song they didn't use for Mary Poppins called Land of Sand. It's same tune. Land yep. of sands. <laughs> Land of sands. And I was like, really, Sherman bros? Really? Anyway.
1: Hey, when Walt's out there, like, I need you to crank out 60 songs by noon, Bob and Dick, (laughs) you better do it. Whatever, you got to recycle some things. You got to do it. It's an sustainable work-life balance that they're they're living through there.
0: True, yeah, you got to do it. But yeah, um, I mean, when Shiny, so when Moana uh, first hit theaters, I was working as a nanny in New York, Um, and you would think that the kids would all love How Far I'll Go. But Shiny was the one they screamed on the playground just hmm. repeatedly. I'm so shiny! Like, just, <laughs> I'm gonna eat you, like all the time. So, uh, this is a hit with the kids. It's a hit with the Bowie fans. It's a hit with the Fly of the Concords fans. Uh, it has to move
2: on. All right, let's hop to the next matchup. It's number three Oogie Boogie Song versus 14 Pirate's Life. 14, a Pirate's Life. I mean, interesting. I'm, I- I'm not about this song at all. It's really a throwaway Peter Pan song for me. I mean, Peter Pan in general is a throwaway <laughs> movie for me, but yeah. it's like a little ditty. It's like Pirate's Life. And like, that's it. They're just singing about being a pirate. Yeah. Um. But it's the introduction of Mr. Smee. Sure.
1: There's like no <laughs> villainy involved in this. They're just like... Really. They're like, Pirate's Life is a good life. You get to sail the seas. And then the second verse is like, Pirate's life is a good life because when you're dead, you get turned into Jolly Rogers. So your bones are forever. But there's no sorts of like, and we pillage. And it's like, it's not the yo-ho from the ride. This is just like, Pirate's life is great. It just serves as an introduction to this like crew of pirates that we're going to have to deal with for the entire movie.
2: But they're like minor characters in general either way. So I don't know. I don't know why this song is on here. I think that we had a couple, at least like five other songs that could have been here over <laughs> Pirate's Life from Peter Pan. I, I have an easy advance from Oogie Boogie on this one. Just a, a way better song, a, a villain's anthem. Uh, and we can talk about it next week.
1: Can we? We, oh. can, talk about it. we can talk about it next week because it's number three, Oogie Boogie. Like I said, Pirate's Life doesn't talk about them being bad at all. They do bad things in the movie but this is not anything that is manipulative it's not anything that's trying to trick us it's just them being like we love being pirates cool thanks fam mandy do you agree number three oogie boogie song moving on
0: okay hold on on the topic of a pirate's life not being a villain song did y'all miss when they're trying to get the lost boys to sign the book and join hook at the end that that's the whole pitch for it
1: oh well sure okay <laughs>
0: Like I think it's a villain song. Like you gonna okay. join Captain Hook? Grow up, little boys. Like sure. betray Peter Pan? Get him to us, and we're gonna kill him. Um, <laughs> I I I'm, I'm probably in unpopular opinion, but I love Pirates Life. Um, I love those male harmonies. Um, you know, Oogie Boogie. Yeah, it's okay. It can move on, but uh, I I do love <laughs> I do love Pirates Life. So yeah.
1: All right, let's move on to the last matchup of this round of 16. It's the number six, Mother Knows Best from Tangled versus number 10, The Headless Horseman from The Adventures of Mr. Toad and Ichabod Crane. This is such a great song, but not the soundtrack version. And that that's a, could be like a hot Disney historian take. Like the soundtrack version is Thurl Ravenscroft, right? The, he's, mm-hmm. he's the GOAT. He is this iconic Disney history person. Uh, you can hear almost your mean one, Mr. Grinch in the way that he delivers, uh, this headless horseman song telling us about how this headless horseman who is out in the woods, um, is, is this evil being that you don't want to encounter, uh, because on Halloween nights, even the ghouls and the ghosts don't want to be around. That's how bad the headless horseman is. It's kind of, this is like an equivalent to like the gorilla song. We haven't really met the Headless Horseman yet. This song in the movie is performed by Brown Bones, Gaston Jr. And he is telling this ghost story to freak out Ichabod because Ichabod has been flexing on his girl the entire time that he's been in this, uh, this town. And so he's trying to punk Ichabod, which he does successfully. And now Ichabod's afraid as he goes to the forest and actually encounters the Headless Horseman. But in the film, the song is performed by... Bing Crosby which is such a great like this the the time period in which this movie was produced is just Bing Crosby like <laughs> the, the the entire thing with it being harmonized by these like 50s women's voices in the background and it sounds almost like a an ad for a new like fridge or something it is just it's just It tickles my brain somewhere where I'm like, ah, this is such a a false nostalgia that I have. But the the soundtrack version is like this creepy Thurl's Ravencroft uh, version in which he's like telling us a ghost story. Ghosts ghosts are bad, but the one that's cursed is the headless horseman. He's the worst. He's the worst, (laughs) says Thurl. (laughs) Up against... Uh, Mother's no mother knows best, which is such an incredible passive aggressive anthem for any daughter who has ever dealt with a mother who see- feels controlling or is trying to manipulate their body image. Like this is such an insane song <laughs> from from this character that sets her up as this villain. And like the audience sees how absolutely crazy this is, but Rapunzel hasn't had any interaction with the real world. And that's what the song is about. It's mother telling Rapunzel of all of the bad things that are out there. But one thing that you can always trust is that I'm going to be here to protect you. I know best. I know best so much so that you're getting kind of chubby, but I'm only saying it because I love you. It's all out of love. I'm only trying to protect you from the men with pointy teeth, the poison ivy quicksand, the plague.
2: No. Yeah. Yes.
1: (laughs) It's very good. This is a very smart song. Um, Sets up Mother Gothel for the, the rest of the film where she's trying to kind of quick talk her way, manipulate her way out of every situation. I really like it. Headless Horseman is a great Halloween anthem. Um, but I don't think it's the better villain Disney villain song, so I'm going number six here.
2: I, I'm with you. I think, I think, I feel the same way. Great Halloween song, very underrated for Headless Horseman. But Donna Murphy, his mother Gothel, iconic, good. so good. Definitely advancing.
1: Mandy, do you agree? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh, okay, perfect. My, hey, my, Mandy just turned into a dog. All right, Thanks dog for joining us.
0: Had some strong opinions on this one for some reason. <laughs> if you don't know she's a husky let me see if i can even get her in the shot for patreon listeners um i can't Uh, (laughs) you can see like her little tail
1: yeah yeah.
0: (laughs) <laughs> oh
1: so good
0: sorry <laughs> um, no i definitely agree mother knows best deserves to go on and and what i love about that line you referenced kyle the getting kind of chubby is the rumor is that it was lifted from an interview the directors had with female disney employees about their relationships with their moms
2: oh, <laughs> so no.
0: it's like 100 accurate like it is Oh my gosh, like it it that just goes to show how much like the lyrics really speak the truth about like some sometimes toxic mother-daughter relationship and uh I absolutely agree that it deserves to move on here.
2: All right. Well, uh folks, we've done it. We've reached our uh round of 8. Got past the first round. Uh next week we've got some uh Disney villain songs to break down further. Uh we've got the number 1 seed still alive, poor unfortunate souls just barely beat out Fidelity Fiduciary Bank just by the skin (laughs) of his teeth on that matchup. Um, And it's going up against number eight, Gaston, uh, our boy, my boy, specifically. Uh, We've got number four, Friends on the other side versus number five, Heaven's Light Hellfire. That's going to be a great matchup. We've also got number two, Be Prepared versus number 10, Shiny. Then we've got number three, Oogie Boogie Song versus number six, Mother Knows Best mandy as always thank you so much for joining us uh, on this episode of mouse madness we look forward to having you back next week
0: oh my gosh thank you so much this was so much fun and i cannot wait for part two
2: all right everyone well you know how to reach us if you have something to say about these disney villain songs did we miss one did we not mention one uh did we get some of our picks wrong did we miss some great arguments please send us an email at mouse madness at gmail.com or hit us up on social media we are on instagram twitter discord and facebook all of those are linked in the description of this podcast and don't forget we are now on patreon join jerry's gang at patreon.com slash mouse madness Until next week, folks, just one little piece of advice to remember, mother knows best.